Welcome to another episode of CyberTalks. I'm your host, Lailo Mirali. We're honored to have with us today Dunja Mijatovic, the Council of Europe's Human Rights Commissioner, and Anna Bavcic, the editor and contributor to the book we've discussed in our previous episodes, entitled Online Actions, Offline Harms, Case Studies on Gender and Cybersecurity in the Western Balkans. A warm welcome, Dunja and Anna. Thank you for having us here. It's an honor to speak with you today. Thanks for inviting me. It's really great uh, to be with you today. Thank you for finding the time to join us today once again. Um, our focus today is on ways forward. What can be done to make cyberspace more secure for all? Over the previous three episodes, we've looked at various types of online gender-based violence, from non-consensual distribution of intimate images, online abuse, doxing, hacking, stalking, information extraction, to disinformation and public shaming. The impact of this violence is well-documented and felt by many strongly and personally, but especially women and girls and members, members of LGBTQ plus community. Dunya, allow me to start with you, please. Addressing gender-based violence and including online gender-based violence has been among your highest priorities. In this series, we've been talking about the effects of online gender-based violence on individuals, but thinking ahead to broader solutions requires an understanding of the impacts on society as a whole. From your broad vantage point as a human rights commissioner, could you please speak to how online gender-based violence affects initiatives to achieve gender equality and social cohesion in general in the Western Balkans and beyond? Thank you. First of all, I'm really grateful and honored to be in such a wonderful uh, company and also uh, being able to talk about topics of such a, uh, an importance uh, for the Western Balkan, of course, but uh, much uh, uh, more uh, than that when we look geographically what is uh, going on in the world. I would say that the uh, magnitude uh, of digital uh, violence against women um, and girls, as well as, of course, LGBTI people, um, and ensuing impunity remains, I can even say colossal, um, having a chilling effect on, on uh, democratic discourse um, and therefore an impact uh, on a society as a whole. Um, a work uh, that the book um, discussed on this podcast, um, um, Online Actions, Offline Harms, Case Studies on Gender and Cybersecurity in the Western Balkans, is of course, you know, extremely uh, important step uh, in order to raise awareness on the magnitude uh, of this problem. And throughout my work, um, I noted um, in all societies in, in, in Europe, um, online gender-based uh, violence is emblematic, uh, emblematic of um, long-standing problems of gender inequality in the society, structural uh, violence and discrimination against women and other minority groups um, uh, anchored in the society. And it's in a way, you know, translation of what is happening in real life. Um, and it is also a demonstration of, of current broader uh, trends that are undermining the progress made in the overall uh, protection of women's rights and the advancement of gender equality, as well as the realization of the LGBTI rights. So I would just say that when identifying the groups of people who are most at risk uh, to online violence and the effects that it has on them, the impact on society as whole becomes then even more clear. So women politicians, journalists, 
uh, environmentalists and other activists and women's and LGBTI rights defenders, young girls, uh, women exposed uh, to intersecting forms of discrimination, um, and also speaking about uh, certain issues online, often when related to gender equality, sexual abuse, or sexual and reproductive health uh, and rights, the rights of migrants or LGBTI people's rights may also be a trigger for violence uh, and abuse, undermining constructive debates in the society, awareness raising on these subjects, uh, and pushing people, uh, these people again into silence. And this is actually what we are experiencing nowadays uh, in the Balkans, even though I can see that the trigger is also opening more space for debate and people are becoming more um, active and, and uh, you know, the fear somehow is diminishing when it comes to public discourse and, and people being very loud uh, uh, when they say we will not accept more uh, of, of this kind of uh, violence uh, online and, and uh, offline, of course. Um, very comprehensive set of uh, insights. Thank you. Indeed, we can see that there is already space for debate, that recognizing these kinds of uh, violence as violence is already a first step in the right direction. I think we all can agree that a multi-dimensional issue such as this one requires a multi-actor approach um, to provide solution to these kinds of violences. Um, could you please share some of the most significant efforts that have been made by national authorities to combat this problem? There are several um, good examples, and of course, you know, we always want to to raise, you know, uh, issues um, that are, you know, uh, particularly positive or or successful. Um, so my take on this is that the first uh, step uh, towards addressing online violence against women and girls is um, to to recognize. It's very simple. It's to recognize that this is yet another manifestation of gender-based violence. Here again, the ratification and also adequate implementation of the Istanbul Convention proves to be essential, um, as recently shown by a very important uh, general recommendation, number one, on the digital dimension of violence against women of Grevio, uh, its monitoring body. But what, what is important is to know that uh, 37 countries uh, of the Council of Europe member states have ratified a convention, which is extremely positive. But as I always said on so many occasions, it is not enough uh, to tick a box and to sort of say, okay, you know, we are so courageous, wonderful, you know, we do care, you know, we will ratify, we will sign, you know, a convention that is absolutely crucial in, in uh, um, really working on uh, eradicating uh, gender-based violence from our society, but it's not enough. And, and, and we see it, you know, across the region and beyond um, that there is mu much more, you know, much more need to, needs to be done. And the Istanbul Convention is usually also complemented by other relevant treaties um, and instruments we have at the disposal. And, and, you know, we can just name Lanzarote uh, Convention dealing with sexual abuse and exploitation against children the Committee of Ministers' recommendation on preventing and uh, combating uh, sexism, an ECRI general policy recommendation um, uh, on combating hate speech. So, um, you know, European Court of Human Rights has provided important indications on member states' obligations. So we look absolutely wonderful on paper. 
you know, everything has been said uh, on what uh, states need to do. And, um, you know, they have mechanisms um, and they have uh, guidance on what to do. Uh, but, you know, not much is happening. On positive um, uh, examples, I would mention North Macedonia um, amendments uh, to the criminal code in May 23, which added the crime of online stalking and online harassment. Uh, legislation in Slovenia, for example, um, uh, that criminalizes both the offline and online manifestation um, of the offense of stalking. Um, Slovenia also co-financed projects raising awareness among young people, uh, which is crucially important, uh, and to improve the knowledge and sensitivity of relevant professionals. That's why I'm talking all the time about the importance of education, also sexuality education. And Estonia also created the Web uh, Constables Unit in the police, which specialize in handling hate speech and harassment online. So when there is political will, when there is uh, proper coordination and uh, um, understanding of the society and the governments that needs to move forward, um, we can say, you know, it, it is possible to do, uh, you know, good uh, and really start, um, you know, embracing uh, the, the complexity of this problem. But I think it's important that I stress also that online violence remains, however, completely insufficiently addressed uh, in the region we are discussing today. And uh, in addition to the governments, I would also add, of course, always private companies uh, that needs to do more uh, in order to uh, really uh, be part of the solution and not creating even greater problems. Thank you for laying out some of these uh, positive trends, especially around legal frameworks, regional, but also updating the national legislation in the case of North Macedonia. Dunia, these are really promising uh, trends. We just need them to scale faster. Anna, uh, Dunia touched upon the actions of governments. In the book, you also talk about a whole-of-society approach that includes private sector. What role do you think companies should play? Well, first of all, uh, thank you also on my behalf for uh, for this podcast and this uh, very stimulating discussion. Um, and thank you uh, to uh, Dunja Mijatovic for mentioning also private companies, um, but, uh, but um, uh, also other uh, important documents. And I would say that, um, yes, it's very important not to uh, separate the discussion um, when we talk about the, the government and the private companies. And I will explain a bit uh, why. So chapters in the book, they distinguish uh, between two types of uh, private companies that are relevant uh, for us. One of them are uh, local companies that have expertise in cybersecurity, and uh, the other one are these so-called big tech uh, corporations that are developing technologies, that are uh, creating and managing spaces where our social interactions uh, increasingly occur. So when it comes to the local companies, chapters somehow uh, emphasize more a positive role that they could they could play in this whole uh, uh, in this in these processes, and this is kind of advisory role to the government. So they can provide expertise to the government when they're um, in the prevention and, and mitigation phases of uh, online gender-based violence. So, for example, while uh, drafting 
policies. They can be external experts in trainings um, and awareness raising and, sit and similar. Uh, while uh, the big so-called big tech companies, because of their nature, because they cover so much of our daily lives, they have uh, obligations that are similar to the state obligations, which are both positive and negative obligations. So they need to proactively act, as uh, Madam Commissioner uh, uh, mentioned, they need to act to protect and adhere to human rights standards uh, online, and they need to protect vulnerable groups uh, from har harmful contact. But they also need, as a negative obligation, they also need to refrain from moderating contact in the way that is damaging. So, you know, they need to moderate from, uh, they need to, uh, excuse me, uh, refrain from censorship. They need to refrain from uh, moderating content that would promote disinformation, for example, and similar. So obviously, um, there are several challenges to this. And I would mention only a few of them that are kind of relevant uh, to the region. Um, and this is that, you know, social media, they create their own standards. Um, but also the implementation of these standards, uh, they depend on local laws and regulations as well. Um, these standards are often non-transparent uh, and they are based on AI sit systems. Uh, and we have heard increasingly in the debates that AI systems uh, promote uh, different biases. Um, but also what the, the other issues with these AI systems is that they don't recognize minority languages. So sometimes when you report a comment that would be hateful in English, it would be different, differently treated uh, compared to a, com a comment that would um, be hateful in Albanian, for example. Um, and finally, something that is very um, kind of well, significant for the Western Balkan Six is that um, law enforcement there really doesn't have much collaboration with the social media. And this is very important when it comes to this uh, victim, uh, uh, victim social media relationship when there is a, a violence, and especially when it comes to the uh, violence that has already been per persecuted. So the results of this is that, you know, harmful content and person pr producing it uh, can continue to live on social media in spite of it, uh, for example, being them being convicted for, for it. So they can be still in jail, but continue to post harmful content uh, against the, the victim uh, of uh, their victim. Um, so in order to address this, um, the states really need to, states in the Western Balkans, but also broader, uh, they really need to engage in creating local rules for democratic, and there's an emphasis on democratic moderation of this content. Um, and this needs to kind of be based on this so-called whole of society approach. So um, it needs to be participatory. Uh, th there needs to be communication between these local small companies that have expertise, but also civil society and victims themselves, um, but in different levels of the government in creating these policies. Um, and also this moderation framework needs to be grounded in international human rights standards that were mentioned by uh, commissioner before. So basically we need to uh, um, create something, create rules on the local level that would push companies uh, to implement them on, on 
on the on the kind of internet level of things um, and these standards are best implemented if done on a more like wider scale so the example here is the eu digital services act which has been kind of a good example of uh, democratic moderation of content and translated to the western balkan six this could be done with the help of this uh, common regional market that is for example run by uh, regional Cooperation Council as one of the ideas, uh, because having a larger market demanding uh, for certain democratic and human rights oriented uh, content moderation would really push these companies to actually implement it. Thank you, Anna, for highlighting the responsibilities and accountabilities of social media platforms. Indeed, if social media platforms are regulating and governing more information and communication than any government has ever done, so accountability should also be emphasized constantly. Um, Anna, allow me to continue with you, please. You have played a key role in the establishment of the Western Balkan Cybersecurity Research Network, which brought the experiences of women online, and some of them you've already highlighted, and um, we have discussed them in the previous uh, episodes. What accountability mechanisms can survivors and civil society use to address online gender-based violence on social media and the big tech platform that you had already um, mentioned earlier? Uh, so, civil society and like when we talk about civil society and survivors of of uh, online gender-based violence or any kind of cybersecurity threat, I would say. Um, we can really see when we talk, when we put it in the cybersecurity governance content uh, context, that this, uh, these two groups have been uh, largely ne neglected. Um, and this is because uh, we often talk about the security of cyberspace instead of security in cyberspace. And uh, the book uh, that we are promoting, but also the whole work of the Western Balkans uh, Research Network is basically to promote this human-centric approach to cybersecurity governance, where we would um, basically put humans first uh, uh, in the discussion on cybersecurity. Um, so when it comes to the um, survivors and uh, civil society and their involvement in, in, in the government. First, I need to mention that, you know, uh, civil society acts here as an intermediary. They have an intermediary uh, role where they can take, they take uh, voices of the survivors of online gender-based violence and different kinds of online violence, um, and they convey it to, to the government. And this can be done, uh, well, through different, uh, through different uh, mechanisms. But I would say that the most important role um, that we could put to uh, civil society in these processes is to have, like, uh, to have a civil society oversight, um, which would mean that governmental and private sector processes uh, regarding online gender-based violence include civil society in all phases, uh, as I mentioned, also for the private companies. So civil society needs to be there when the policies are being drafted, when there's uh, incidents response, uh, response, and also uh, during victim uh, protection and awareness raising campaigns. Um, so concretely, uh, tools um, used by the victims of online gender-based violence, such as, you know, reporting to the police, initiating judicial processes, um, but also appealing to the social media platforms, have traditionally been more successfully successfully done 
uh, with the intermediation of civil society. So civil society is somebody who can, you know, create contacts between these different uh, segments of uh, of society. So through, throughout the research, even though you know we, are, we have been focusing mainly with the research network on research and advocacy, but throughout the research we have also seen examples where um, civil society has supported victims through judicial processes, but also they have communicated with uh, social media platforms such as Meta's Complaint Commission to remove uh, harmful content. And often this content wouldn't be removed if there was no intervention uh, by the civil society. So I would say that their role is pretty big uh, here. Um, and finally, uh, there are some digital tools that we are mentioning uh, throughout the book, um, and they are created also by civil society. So, for example, when it comes to non-consensual intimate image sharing, there are two websites um, that, uh, and I would kind of want to repeat them. One of them is Take It Down, um, where uh, minors can actually report uh, sexually explicit images, and they would uh, communicate with companies to take take that down that content. And the other one is stopncii.org, which is uh, for uh, the same, doing the same just for the adult victims or the people who are uh, above 18 years. Absolutely, Anna, a vast role for civil society, and you have, have highlighted them very thoroughly. Indeed, we've discussed earlier that some of the civil societies, while investigating cases of gender-based violence, are subjected to violence themselves. So, again, they can become target themselves. Um, Anna, um, thank you again for highlighting the, the vast role, and I'd like to reiterate that the Western Balkan Cybersecurity Research Network is one of its kind in the region, and they have played the role beyond raising awareness, beyond providing recommendations for stakeholders. They really have established some of these foundational empirical studies, and um, I'd look forward to following their work on that. And especially in terms of recognition, Dunya earlier mentioned that one of the challenges is recognizing this as a crime, not only by the people who are surrounding the female, the victim, the survivor, but also law enforcement. So I think the civil society has a key role in mobilizing recognition of these crimes. Dunya, may I continue with you, please? Um, we've touched now by, on efforts by national authorities, private companies, survivors, civil society activists, and the highlighting of a whole-of-society approach. Are there any particular promising examples of similar, corpor similar cooperation um, in practice that you would like to share with us? Well, I think um, um, Anna already mentioned, uh, you as well, several uh, extremely important examples but all of those examples are coming from the civil society, from the movement, from the victims, from, um, you know, people that actually um, uh, were affected uh, by, um, you know, this kind of abuse. What is problematic is that uh, the law enforcement, uh, the governments, um, even though they have uh, tools at their disposal, trainings and possibilities, you know, to um, address those issues are not uh, really moving in, in the right direction. I mean, we can ask, uh, you know, the question why, uh, but I think, you know, apart from uh, the lack of political will and, and other agendas, uh, you know, that are more interesting for them, it is also lack of knowledge, um, lack of courage, really, to, to stand uh, and really defend, uh, you know, uh, 
the human rights uh, of all people, which is something that is missing uh, in the Western Balkan uh, in general. Um, you can see, you know, when there is a problem uh, of this kind that uh, politicians are most of the time hiding uh, and not really engaging with the society in order to see, you know, what should be, um, you know, done. But I think it's important also, apart from the, the politics and, and the governments, to um, emphasize the role played that should be played by the national human rights structures, uh, equality bodies, um, ombudsman institutions, uh, national human rights institutions uh, in combating violence, but not only by organizing conferences uh, and, and discussing it, but actually, you know, doing something that is tangible and, and important and, and actually pushing governments, parliaments uh, in order to really uh, move forward. Uh, for example, you know, I think it's uh, worth mentioning it's um, uh, the ombudsman institution of, of Montenegro. Uh, they published a comic strip. Uh, about online violence against women and girls to to raise awareness uh, on the issue, um, and um, you know, ombuds uh, institution there also consistently condemned online uh, sexist speech, uh, also against LGBTI people. Um, this doesn't sound like a spectacular thing, but it is if you look at what is done or not, you know, done in other um, um, Council of Europe member states, uh, particularly, you know, Western Balkan states. Uh, another good example uh, of constructive cooperation between NGOs, again, to counter violence is the LGBTIQ um, plus hate crime reporting website, You Are Heard, that is launched uh, by Stonewall and um, uh, ERA in 21. And I would, of course, mention uh, a project I worked on for a very long uh, time. You know, I launched uh, the project um, at a time um, I was the OIC representative on freedom of the media um, in 2013 already, um, focusing uh, on the online safety of female journalists, of course, uh, because the mandate was uh, related only to, to uh, media. Um, but this is a project that is now still live and kicking. Uh, my successors uh, have been following and working on this uh, consistently. And it, it is of great relevance to journalists and researchers in Europe uh, and beyond. And I also believe that more work should be dedicated to uniting um, forces um, and also coordinating work with private actors, as um, Anna elaborated uh, who are driving cyber technologies um, in combating this uh, phenomenon. Um, you mentioned, Anna, uh, accountability. I would also add transparency, um, because on, on so many occasions you hear that there are talking, particularly now when we talk about AI and artificial intelligence that plays a very important role, uh, in this uh, issue is something, you know, that they need to hide because it's a business uh, secret or whatever. Um, I think it's very important to ensure the effective uh, enforcement of social media companies' obligations to restrict access to illegal content um, in line with freedom of expression standards and uh, as interpreted by the judiciary. And of course, you know, uh, your... Um, uh, projects, um, raising awareness is something uh, that has to continue uh, regardless uh, of uh, very um, gray, you know, situation uh, that we face because, um, you know, we should never really give up or give in 
um, in in this time, you know, where you know you see such um, tensions and um, in a way, uh, aggressive sort of language that is also used by high-level politicians, which is something we should not, you know, forget. Um, and, uh, you know, the way female politicians are uh, attacked um, is not really something that you often uh, see, you know, targeting uh, uh, men. Um, but what I also think is very important in this um, fight, if you know, we can call it, um, you know, for for better situation or really eradicating uh, this kind of violence. This is not an issue only for uh, women and LGBTI community, of course, but for men as well. You know, and when I hear, you know, this kind of, um, you know, efforts are uh, really undermining our traditional values, uh, you know, families, uh, my answer to this is that it is simply completely untrue. It's a lie. What is actually affecting our societies, what is affecting family, what is affecting children, and all of us is actually this horrifying crime um, and an attitude, you know, towards vulnerable um, that is creating this toxic atmosphere and not actually, you know, talking on behalf of the vulnerable ones. So you know, what we need to, to change is also a mindset that is very difficult to change. Uh, and it's not something you can just, you know, push the button, but in, you know, engagement and uh, uh, more work um, in, in relation to, uh, um, you know, better protection, first of all, uh, but also uh, being heard um, and, and uh, not feeling alone, uh, because in many cases, uh, as we know, it led to very tragic um, examples uh, that we are also trying to, to tackle uh, with member states. Thank you so much, Dunya, for highlighting what has been done and what still needs to be done. And there's a lot that needs to be done. Um, Anna, Dunya, all these insights have been very valuable. Thanks again for sharing that with these, them with us. This is indeed an evolving field, but the discussion has provided, again, many key ideas and really tangible steps on how to mitigate the effects of online gender-based violence. That's it for today. Thank you once again for joining us. To our listeners, if you're interested in exploring the topics discussed in this episode further, you can find the book Online Actions, Offline Harms, Case Studies on Gender and Cybersecurity in the Western Balkans on GCAP's webpage. Also, don't forget to check out the previous episodes on Spotify. Thank you for listening to CyberTalks. We hope you found it valuable.